Maybe your nightmares involve some technological threat. Maybe they involve volcanoes, dragons, monsters. Maybe it's nuclear war that scares you in your nightmares. Whatever the cause, whatever the circumstances, your dreams, your unconscious or subconscious is trying to tell you something and maybe something important. My guest, J.M. DeBoard, Jason DeBoard, has written an excellent book, Nightmares, Your Guide to Interpreting Your Darkest Dreams. He breaks them down into categories, what they might mean for you. And in a moment, we're going to get into some specifics, take some of your calls. You can share with us some of your nightmares. We'll be right back with more Coast to Coast AM. Jason, we're going to get a lot of calls about nightmares. I'm going to start it off. So I've had this, um, I never really worried about nuclear war, not since I was much younger, but I've had two dreams in recent weeks uh, about nuclear bombs exploding in Las Vegas. The first one uh, was so scary, it woke me up. Uh, and it was not an all-out nuclear war. It was a couple of bombs that exploded outside of Las Vegas, and I was scrambling to get shelter, and um, I woke up. Second time I had this dream where nuclear bombs are going off in Las Vegas, it occurred to me, aha, this is a dream. I've had this before. Nothing to worry about here. It's not really a nuclear bomb. So I was okay after that. Uh, what's your take on that one? Well, you know, knowing that the uh, first uh, nuclear bomb test uh, took place yeah. out there in the 1940s, yeah. I would wonder yeah. if there's some kind of residue of that left over. But yeah. let's explore the idea of possibility for, you know, for interpretation. You know, one of the things could be just the anticipation of something really big coming up. Um, mm-hmm. If there's, a, <laughs> you know, look at that as kind of a metaphor, George. You know, like, is there... Um, where are the bombs going off in your life? You know, it's, uh, dreams exaggerate things. So this is where people kind of get hung up. They go, well, you know, wh- why would the big argument that I had with someone um, be turned into a dream where it's a nuclear explosion? They go, well, there's no, you know, uh, uh, nothing equates between those two. But you go, well, as a metaphor, though, a bomb really did go off in your life. And maybe it's a nuclear bomb because it was a huge event. It hits you really hard. Life will not be the same before and after. That's another thing about nuclear bombs that I found that I find to be common about the meaning of them in dreams is that it's telling you it's a way of reflecting that things are not going to be the same going into the future. And the same way that we all know that a nuclear war or even just bombs going off outside of a major city would mean that that's a turning point and nothing will ever be the same again afterwards. And I found the imagery to be used in situations like um, when people are like on one lady who I, I have this example in my book, uh, the one lady knew that um, her parents were getting a lot older and that there was going to come a time when they weren't going to all be together, her and her family, you know, like they, there was an inevitability about the fact that they, her parents were elderly and that the end was going to come for their time together on this earth. So that was kind of like the bombs go off in the distance and her reaction is to huddle together with them and say, I've, I really, I'm glad that we've all been family. I love you. And that's really what the dreams were reflecting. Now, George, in your second dream, your reaction is to realize that there's nothing to fear. If there really was, if it was like a prophetic dream, I would think that you, it would override your 
thought in the dream, like, oh, I've had this dream before it's, and it's no big deal. And then you go, yeah, that's right. It's not any big deal. And the dream doesn't keep pressing the issue on you. Right. There really was a sort of a premonition in that it would, the dream would say, no, no, George, this is, it's, it's time to pack up and get the kids out of here. <laughs> right. You yeah. Know? Well, I do, <laughs> I do, I do live in the most nuked state in the, the, the most nuked place in the whole entire world. Uh, yeah. So you're right. There might be some psychic residuals there of some sort. You, uh, right early in your book, Nightmares, you write about aliens, the alien scenario. Do you have people who tell you they're, about an alien invasion nightmare, uh, aliens showing up in their dreams. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it lot. is one of the most common dream themes. Yes, and and you you refer back to Carl Jung, of course, who had written a lot about UFOs, uh, calling them a myth in one sense, and which people have misinterpreted what he was meaning. But yes. Jung seems to be. I mean, you you rely on him a lot. He he was way ahead of the curve on on this dream stuff. Yeah, he was. And 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 a lot of the ways that we're seeing things that manifest from the unconscious mind, dreams and nightmares just being but two sorts of manifestations of a wide spectrum of things that can come out of the unconscious. You could say that premonitions and things like that also come out of the unconscious. Um, and Jung had uh, some experiences of his own that taught him that there is a collective layer to the unconscious mind and it it made him um break with sigmund freud um over this because freud said no no the the unconscious is just sort of a repository for the repressed desires and memories usually from early childhood that are not you know appropriate now that you've gotten older you know, and and you're tr- and you're just repressing it all down in there, and then your unconscious, for the most part, just regurgitates it as as dreams. And Jung said, no, well, that that might be true sometimes, but there's this deeper layer to things of of the unconscious mind, a collective part to it. And what led him to that conclusion was during the 1920s. In his um, from his office outside of um, in Switzerland, outside I think it's outside of Zurich, he was getting these patients of who had German ancestry, some of them from Germany, who were dreaming about Wotan, who is this bloodthirsty Germanic god of war, and Jung is looking at him, going, "These dreams are psychopathic in a way, like." you know, this, the, the bloodlust that is manifesting. And he's looking at the patients, you know, as their doctor, as their psychiatrist and going, I don't see that level of psychopathy in these people. They might have their problems and that's why they've come to me, but this, they're, they're not, this is garden variety. These people are, they're, they're not mass murderers. And what he came to realize later was, is that in the German people, that there was something that was brewing in the 1920s from the unconscious that manifested as the Nazis in the 1930s. And so he uh, posited the theory of the collective unconscious after that. Now, you also asked about aliens. Do you want to talk about those, George? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't dream about aliens, but I'd like to see some either while I'm sleeping or while I'm awake, but it hasn't happened that I know of. 
with how immersed you are in that subject, I'm yeah. kind of surprised that your dreams haven't touched on it yet. Yeah. Nope. Um, but maybe you have such a, you know, the broad kind of rational, informed way of viewing the subject that your dreams know that it wouldn't be a good one for you because you look <laughs> at the aliens in your dreams and be like, oh, come on, you're just a guy in a costume, you know, but, um, because your dreams will pick themes for you that work well. Either that's why a certain one person will dream about an alien, you know, or recurring dreams about aliens, because they symbolize something to them that their dreaming mind has picked up on and said, okay, let's keep pressing that button because it's working. We're getting the message across. We're getting their attention, at least. So it works well for them. But so for people who, you know, are immersed sometimes in the lore behind something such as aliens, they'll have a lot of dreams about it because they're they obviously have a natural interest in the subject. I've seen this um, a few times with people who studied serial killers and had a real interest in that subject. They would end up having these dreams with these confrontations with serial killers and it turned out that it was kind of a learning experience for them, like a virtual reality simulation. But there are a lot of people who have experiences who, like with the aliens, where they say, no, the things that were in my dreams, were, they were real beings. And I can say that in some cases, I think that that was true. But I know that in most cases, um, the, the aliens are a symbol for them for something such as an alienated side to them. Something about them is so split off from the main personality that it's been alienated. Or think of it as something that drops in out of nowhere. This was one of Carl Jung's critical insights about this the UFO phenomenon. And the reason why he said that it was a modern myth was because of the, the explosion of reports after World War II also came after people became aware that there were these things called nuclear bombs. And then we got into the Cold War in the 50s with the Russians, and we became aware of ICBMs. And people were fearing that something could drop from the sky, and it's, they're powerless against it. And so the, the UFO mythology that grew up in the 1950s he, what he saw was a connection between that and the uh, fact of the circumstances that we were living under at the time, um, that there could be this massive change that comes and drops in out of the sky with something uh, using a technology that at least at the time was foreign to most people. We understand nuclear weapons a lot better now, but you know, until Einstein proved that you could split the atom, there was still a lot of debate, even in the physics community, whether that right. could be done. Well, there so, are people who have dreams about aliens, what seems like a dreamlike encounter, and then they wake up yeah. and they've got little marks on their bodies, or they're outside their home, or they're wearing their pants backwards, or wearing somebody else's clothes. They're in a different category. Let's take a couple of calls. First-time caller, Ty in New Orleans. Hi, Ty. You're on with uh, J.M. DeBoard. Um kind of nervous so please forgive me on, on that note um i'll just get straight to it so a month ago i probably crashed around eight eight o'clock in the evening i fell asleep maybe 10 10 30 i had a nightmare and it so i work rotating shifts there's no hour i do not work and um so it was the graveyard shift as i am on i get to call it now um i keep the doors locked and there was a woman who, in a damsel in distress fashion, was looking for help. I don't know what she was saying, but, of course, 
raise alarm bells. I wasn't locking the door, anything like that. And then I looked down and I saw a man with a firearm brandish, brandishing a firearm. And so um, next thing I knew, I woke up and I just was completely terrified. And I didn't know if they were casing the joint, casing my office. And uh, so now I, I, I stay strapped. Um, but I haven't really dwelled on it, but it, 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 it's been, it's never been too far away from my thoughts. So I was wondering what, if you could provide some insight on that. Yeah, Ty, you know, we were talking, George and I were talking earlier that one of the causes of nightmares is shift work. Um, the, uh, rotating shifts, uh, working third shift through the night, it really goes against your body's natural rhythms. And it's not just that, but one of the things I found with people who work third shift is they'll, they'll get home at sunrise or sometime around then. And the rest of the world doesn't seem to respect the fact that their night is starting when everybody else is awake. And they end up having their sleep interrupted. Uh, they, um, uh, they, sometimes if they have children, they've got to respond to things that are going on at school. Uh, there's people in the house who don't respect their space and they make noise and things like that, that if it doesn't necessarily wake you up, it might be keeping you from getting into the sorts of really deep, good recuperative sleep that you need. And what happens over time is, is that your boundaries get really thin and you start being unable to differentiate um, between things that are happening a sound outside that you could, your brain under normal circumstances, you, you would be able to discern what it is. But when you get into that thin boundary sleep deprived state, um, you start having trouble being able to make connections between things and figure out what it is. So you start filling in the blanks with kind of the worst possible scenario or the, what, what could be the, uh, the, the worst possible thing. You know, it's not just the sound outside of your house. It's an intruder trying to break in. Um, so the what it sounds to me is, is that you had an experience where um, you, you, you were in that sort of sleep deprived or thin boundary sort of state and that um, you started responding to it from that space inside of you. Now, I don't want to scare you, but I'll give you a, a fact that um, schizophrenia, the thing that they schizophrenics have in common, if you look at you know, across the board, the one thing that is the connector that you can say is the most common is, is that they're sleep deprived. They have, um, uh, they, they, you know, they, the chronic sleep deprivation. It's not to say that you're schizophrenic. But this is not it. What I wanted to make the point of is, is that what happens with schizophrenia is they start being unable to differentiate their dream reality from their waking reality because they start dreaming while they are awake. Carl Jung said that the dreaming function of the mind is always running. And what can happen is, is when you're sleep deprived, the dreamings, the dreams will start coming on while your eyes are open and act as sort of an augmented reality. So that is an extreme case. And what happens with a lot of people early on before they get to that level where, you know, dreaming, they're dreaming while awake and that it's intruding into their everyday reality in a very forceful sort of way. What happens before then is things like where they, you know, overreactions to situations, uh, uh, the, their emotions start to get kind of unregulated um, and where 
you know, things that will start entering into your dreams that start to seem really antagonistic. And that is a classic sign, actually, of sleep deprivation, because what it is is your unconscious mind, which enjoys having sleep time with you and being able to produce dreams and keep you balanced and recuperated, your unconscious mind starts sending you stronger and stronger messages that you you need to pay attention to this part of your life and get the sleep that you need. That's Thanks. just my guess from here, Ty. Thank you for calling. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, he starts off by saying he's working the graveyard shift, which is there's some yeah. imagery there that probably doesn't help things. You know, I, re- I was looking during the last break, I was looking for this study that I had saved in my email somewhere. It came out last year, and it uh, found that humans are not meant to stay awake later than midnight, which if that were true, coast to coast either wouldn't exist or it'd be half as long as it usually is. I'm glad that there are those of us who have trouble sleeping at night or who are just generally awake uh, into the wee hours. Uh, otherwise, we'd have to all find something else to do it for the hours between uh, uh, 10 and 2 a.m. So we're talking with uh, Jason DeBoard about Nightmares, your guide to interpreting your darkest dreams. Uh, a terrific book, terrific conversation we're having here. We'll get to as many of your calls and your nightmares as we can in this next segment, our final segment of Coast to Coast AM. We're talking with J.M. DeBoard, Jason DeBoard, about his excellent book, Nightmares, your guide to interpreting your darkest dreams. Uh, got some really great sounding nightmares and recurring dreams hanging on the phones with uh, our callers. We'll get to as many as we can right after this on Coast to Coast AM. Our final segment tonight with Jason DeBoard. Let's take some calls. Wildcard line, Jamie in Cypress, Texas. Good morning, Jamie. What's on your mind? Hi, James, but that's okay. All right. Um, I'll make this quick on this. I'm in 55 now, and but um, back in my youth when I was a child of you know, late 60s, 70s, and 80s, I was a severely bullied child, not just with uh, my local kids, but I mean, even parents, uh, teachers, and my mother. So I had some trauma growing up that I had to deal with. This, I believe, went into a lot of my dreams. And I had a series of dreams that involved um, what I've described as a, a pair of tall, skinny men in suits that would basically chase me everywhere, and usually in a residential area. Um, in the beginning of these dreams, these dreams expanded over a 10-year period. And when they started, I would usually be chased by one or two pairs, and I would try to evade them. Uh, if I tried to run, I felt like I was running through molasses. One of my solutions was if I couldn't run straight, I'd hop, which al- allowed me to actually move faster and get away. Over that time frame, then there would be more of these, these shadow people that would be chasing me. Um, at one point in a the, in the dream, I was cornered and between two buildings and with a tall fence and i thought i would hop well i hopped and actually popped up so high that i kind of flew up in the stratosphere and then kind of fell which i woke up because of the falling point of the dream um over time when i realized i could do that i started turning those hops into controlled falls and those controlled falls into glides and those glides into flying. And eventually I got to a point when I was in high school that I stopped having the dreams about the shadow people, but I was able to fly in my dreams. And, um, you know, if I wanted to go somewhere and I didn't like where I was at, I'd just fly away and go somewhere else. Hey, James, so that's, um, that's, that's a lot to chew on right there. Let's let, uh, let's let Jason try to tackle what you've shared with us so far. Jason. I, what I'm seeing first is, I really love that you found a response in your dreams that helped you to 
escape from the thing that was causing you fear. Um, that is sort of empowerment is really uh, important. Uh, when you do dream-based therapy, especially with nightmares, one of the techniques we use is called dream re-entry. And it's an imaginative technique where you try to make the dream work out in some way better than where it ended. Oftentimes with the nightmare ends is like, you know, here comes the serial killer or the, you know, the, the shadow people are creeping up on you and closing in. And, you know, then you wake up and you're, you're crying or screaming or just scared out of your mind. If you can come to some kind of response um, that can make that work better, work out better and better, then it's the first step towards healing. And if you can do it while you're in a dream, as opposed to using like a dream reentry technique, now you can really make some progress because what you're doing with the dream imagery is using it as an interface into the deep inner parts of yourself. And when you found a creative solution to the problem in the dream, you're actually looking deep inside of yourself for a solution to the problem that you were having. I do want to say one other thing. Uh, there are a lot of people who are in the same boat as you who have experienced chronic bullying um, and they dream about it for sometimes even when they're far removed from the environment where that happened, they will keep dreaming about it because usually this is what I find as the source. They're still chained to the experience. They're traumatized by it. And it continues to hold them down inside. And what I'm seeing when you're bouncing up and kind of out into the atmosphere is it looked to me like you found a way of escaping from that morass of, you know, of, of bad feelings and what it can do to your self-image and stuff can be just, just terrible. Um, but it sounds to me, and I don't want to presume too much, but based on the dream content, um, it sounds to me like you found a way of, shall we say, rising above it. Hmm. You know, the dream imagery is giving you a, a sort of a metaphor to describe some kind of internal process. And when you kind of rise up into the air, what I'm seeing as po the possibility that it's a metaphor for rising above the situation that you're in. So James, I hope that's the case. James, thanks for sharing. We're going to John, who is trucking in Ohio. Be careful out there, John. How you doing? Good morning. Good, guys. Thanks. I, I got two. The first one was when I was a, a kid, and I would wake up, and I'd go. We lived in a two-story house, and I would go down to the steps to go to the bathroom. As I go down the steps, there's this monster blocking my path. And I go back to my bed. I pull the sheets over my head, and next thing I know, daytime's there, and nothing's, you know, everything's okay. Um, years later, I'm watching the sci-fi show, that The Silent Earth, and that alien with the claws and everything, that's the one that was in my dream. So then I have another one as I get older and I'm in my 20s and I'm in this room and it's bright. And I don't know if it's these beings or what. And I ask what they're doing and they say they're examining me. And at first I'm terrified and very scared. But they're saying, no, it ain't going to hurt. And then I ask them to enhance me, you know, make me better, stronger, so I don't get sick and everything. Then I wake up, and those are the dreams I had as a kid. Lately now, I get the ones where I'm 
I go somewhere and there's people being shot at and I'm running away. And I always seem to be one step ahead of the person with the gun. But then I get myself cornered in a room and I take my belt off and I put it up around the hinge and they're just pushing on the door trying to get in. And just as the door breaks open, I wake up in a cold sweat. All right, John, Sounds like let's something let... is trying to get your attention. Uh, oftentimes, the thing that's like an intruder coming into your space that's trying to break down the door to get to you is something about yourself that feels like it's been disowned or alienated, or it's some kind of a realization that is trying to get to you. The something coming up out of your subconscious mind. If you could face whatever it is and it does come through the door, you might find that it's not what it seems to be. You know, it's um, just to give an example, you know, some event happens in your childhood that makes a part of you kind of recede, you know, like it's, it gets split off from the main personality. So now here it is many years later, and that part of you is not it's been so long since you've had any conscious contact with it that it can seem like it's almost alien to you. It's so disconnected from who you are um, now, presently, but it really is an aspect of yourself. Um, Robert Moss wrote a book called Dreaming the Soul Back Home, and I would recommend that for anyone who feels like there's a part of themselves um, that's been lost in the past. Um, because he'll teach you how to retrieve it, and there are dream techniques for doing this. Um, this gives me an opportunity, you know, that young childhood event you had where you saw the thing that popped up later, the alien. You know, we've been talking a lot about the metaphors and symbolism of it and stuff, but George, I wanted to validate for people that their people really do have experiences with these things where they like um, uh, they've dreamed about having like um, a surgery you know, uh, from these aliens. And it turned out that, you know, like their cancer goes into remission or some disease or condition that they'd had is mysteriously fixed. And we can't say for sure whether it was, you know, an actual, you know, like the aliens are helping me, you know, kind of thing. Or if that's just the imagery that your mind wrapped around the process that was going on that seemed very alien or foreign to you at the time. But I want to just validate for the listeners out there that um, I wrote this book because I ran across too many of you whose stories were too compelling for me to be able to just put it all into the, the sort of traditional box of dream interpretation and say, well, you know, there's something emotional going on here. This is some kind of metaphor, you know, like they say, no, no, what I experienced was, you know, like in your case, you actually ran across the image of that alien that thing that you saw in your dream you ran across it years later in the first episode of the dreams that shape us um the podcast that i do with my friend season one episode one we interviewed a guy who was dreaming about a television show before he even knew that it existed and then for a month he would wake up from his dreams he would watch the show and then find out that he was dreaming about what he was going to watch from the eyes of the characters in the show. And it involves settings and actions and all kinds of things that was way too much overlap for it to be coincidental. So I do want to validate that experience for people out there who know that what they experienced 
was something that was not a conventional type of experience. And I think that might have been, in your case, because of the precognitive aspect of it. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes the memory can kind of fool you a little by making you think that the, what you dreamed about was what you saw later in life. But I know of too many cases where it was not a slip of the memory. It was mm. not, you know, anything like that. It was actually dreaming about things that were going to happen later in their life, sometimes years ahead of time. That's a great point. Uh, thanks for that call, John. Uh, we go to Greg in Lafayette, Colorado. Hey, Greg, good morning. You're on with uh, J.M. DeBoard. Uh, hi, George and Jason. Howdy. Hi, Greg. Hey, um, I um, uh, just go right to it. And uh, if I can get, I wrote it down real quick. Um, I'm not able to sleep at night for some uh, time but I will then sleep most of the day, uh, which makes life difficult. I had a dream recently of being held underwater in a small space. So my subconscious is trying to tell me something. It could be trying to, it's trying to keep you asleep. Now this is one possibility because I've seen this a number of times where a being above water means being awake and conscious and being under the water means being asleep and unconscious. The dreaming mind can go to great lengths. If you're ha if you, especially for people who wake up a lot and they don't, they don't really get that sort of deep continuous sleep that they need. The dreaming mind will create all kinds of ways of keeping you dreaming, including the experience of dreams within dreams, but also that experience of feeling like you're being held down under the and so there's one possibility of feeling like you're being held down underwater it, it, while dreaming is the experience of your dreaming mind trying to keep you from coming above water meaning trying to keep you from waking up but there's also just a general look at that and simplify the idea that there is something holding you down and start there the, one of the techniques I teach in my dreams one, two, three process of dream interpretation is to simplify the dream content so that you can step back from a lot of that drama and action and the strong feelings it brings up and see it for what it really is. It can be, you know, it, it, that experience of being held down underwater is very frightening. But if you step back from it, you might see that, yeah, there is a feeling in me of feeling like I'm being held down, that perhaps like water is associated with emotion. Um, it's very commonly in dreams a symbol for something related to emotions. So if you're being held down underwater, there might be something of like feeling like you can't get above what you're feeling to be able to understand what it really is. Instead, you're being held down in it in the sense of the emotions are really powerful and overwhelming. So that's one possibility to consider, but start with the simple idea, what is holding you down? That's where I thanks. would go with it, George. Do you have any ideas? No, that was pretty good. Greg, thanks for the call. Try to get one more in. East of the Rockies, Joe in Long Island. Hey, Joe, good morning. What's on your mind? Hi, Jason. First of all, I wanted to get the name of your podcast, but uh, when you talk, when you see a stranger in a, a, a dream, Sometimes you can note that you have an affiliation with the stranger, 
that, uh, you, you know, you're trying to be sporty, you meet a sporty uh, stranger. What would you say about the stranger that's more prominent in a dream, the meaning of the stranger? Well, the first thing I would look at is what is something that seems strange to me? Is there somebody who's come into my life recently who I'm trying to get to know and they're still sort of a stranger? But with most dream imagery, you want to ask the question of what are you seeing about yourself in it, especially dream characters? So, I mean, a stranger, I would begin with ideas like, is there some aspect of myself that seems strange to me? Strange in the sense of being like unknown or mysterious. And then I would start to try to pull that imagery into my waking state and see if I can make a connection with what that is. Like picture the face of the stranger and keep asking yourself, what is it about me that I'm seeing in it? And by the way, thank you for asking about the podcast, The Dreams That Shape Us is the name of the podcast. And if you go to dreams.reddit.com, right now at the top of the front page, I put a welcome post for all the Coast to Coast listeners. So if there's any links they want towards like my podcast or my book or they just want to drop by to say hi, um, drop by there. Um, actually, while, while we were on break, I had a listener to the show drop by and they, they made a comment. So I would love to see more of them. Um, so dreams.reddit.com, look to the top of the front page and you'll see a post there that's welcoming the uh, Coast to Coast listeners. Great. Um, Great. Yeah, I think we're putting some. Call. I think we're putting some links on uh, on our website too, so people can find you. I, I don't think we have enough time to take another call. Just say, Jason, I'm really impressed by the book and the conversation we've had. I've learned so much, and I, I can imagine you've helped a lot of people who are, in essence, terrorized by recurring dreams that just uh, scare the heck out of them. And I tried to put as much of that information into the book as I could and make it accessible for people, breaking it down by topic so that they can look things up very quickly if they have a specific symbol or situation in their dreams. And then there's also an index in the back. This, you know, my experience of this, George, led me to want to write this book, and it all came together in a way that was very synchronous. There was a meaningfulness to it. And I poured my heart into that thing. I took a year to write that book and just give all of the information and knowledge that I could share about the subject of nightmares and dream interpretation with the hope that people will be able to use my book and it will help them to at least get started finding the solutions um, that they need so that their nightmares will go away. Because you know, George, do you know how do you take care of nightmares and make them go away? You get the message. <laughs> it's been shown through study after study. Get the message, the nightmares go away. But that's not so easy for people who don't have a background in dream interpretation. I'm used to teaching people who don't have the degrees and they don't have the background in the psychology of dreams and nightmares and stuff like that. I've studied all that stuff, but I understand that there's kind of a gap for between, you know, like where people approach this subject from kind of a layman's perspective. I wanted to be able to write a book that would be able to reach them specifically, but also be valuable for people who might also have a Well, it's good. It's it's definitely out. good, and you're welcome back here anytime. Uh, J.M. DeBoer, Jason DeBoer, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Been a pleasure, George. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks also to my earlier guest, the great John Fogarty, and to my colleagues there at Coast to Coast, Michael Cosio and Donna Walker. Ryan Stacy, Dan Kalani, Chris Boros, George Norrie and Tom Danheiser and Lisa Lyon, of course. 
I'm George Knapp. I'll be back in a couple of weeks, everyone. Good night.